Good morning, and, uh, and welcome uh, to all of you, especially our guests who are here for the baptism today or just uh, kind of, you know, searching for a church and looking for a place to call home. Uh, again, this is our four-year anniversary, and uh, we're a church that has been founded on Jesus Christ alone. Like, it's not me, it's not man, it's not any of us, it's, it's on His name, and uh, that's what our church is committed to, and that's uh, who we are committed to uh, lifting up and exalting and glorifying in. And so I'm uh, just, again, grateful uh, to have you all here. And if you would, uh, if you've got a copy of God's Word, you can turn it now uh, to Ephesians chapter 1 uh, with me. Now, if, um, if someone were to ask you the question, uh, who are you, uh, how would you answer that? Okay, besides giving your name, right, and oh, I live at, you know, such and such an address, whatever, uh, what would you tell that person? In other words, like, what, what, what's your identity? Or, 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 or what is your identity tied to? Okay, these are massively, massively important questions uh, for us to ask. Because let's, let's think about it this way. Most people in the world, in general, they, they don't know who they are. Right? And so they are... They are searching and they are looking and they are going after uh, a, bunch, a bunch of things, trying to figure out who on earth am I? Or, or listen, or they've already hitched themselves and their identity to something that they don't realize is actually extremely shaky, right? And then that shaky thing is informing uh, who they are. It's telling them who they are as a person. Now, I think just generally speaking, this search for who am I and, and, and asking ourselves that question, whether we're actively doing that or it's a, more of a function of our heart kind of deep down, uh, this is something that I think starts kind of around the age of junior high, right? Somewhere around, you know, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in that range. And so our, you know, our students, they are, they are currently asking this question, who am I? You know, what is my place in this world? Right? And so they are, they are looking for it and oftentimes find it in all kinds of things that the world might say they are or, or however their heart and their flesh, you know, whatever that goes after, that thing now informs my identity. Now you and I, we were all uh, in that position at some point. Some of us, it was a long time ago. Uh, some of us maybe a little bit more recently, but, but maybe you found this as a Christian that the things that you attached your identity in when you were in junior high or high school or, or maybe it was college for you, as you begin to grow in Jesus Christ, you realize that those identities are, it's a broken cistern, right? It's, it's a leaky sieve. It does not hold water. And then for so many of us as Christians, as we grow and as we're discipled, and as we understand the scriptures and all of these things, we start to realize, wow, that's... That's a problem, and now I've got to grow and, and, and start to learn and figure out what my identity uh, really is. We want to hope in something that's real. Well, these are the things that we're going to be talking uh, about today, and we're going to be going uh, through uh, this new uh, series in Ephesians chapter 1. Now, I want to give you kind of a couple of examples of the types of things that people uh, try and find their identity in. All right, and maybe some of these will ring true for you, but some people, they're looking for their identity in athletics, right, in sports. We've talked about this thing before. And so again, maybe it was when you were young, maybe it's still, like I'm a, you know, I'm a swimmer, right? I'm, I'm a hockey player. I play baseball. I, I, I work out, right? That's my thing. And you've thrown yourself so deeply into this that it now informs who you are. Maybe for you, your identity is tied so closely to how you look. Right, your, your, your body type, your style of clothing. And if you're not wearing the right thing or, or whatever, you, you just feel like, like you lose all confidence. Okay, for other people, it's in the kind of music they listen to. That forms their identity. Some of, some of us are maybe, not me, but some of us are, are maybe a musician, right? And you, and you love you know, playing guitar or you love playing drums or it's something like that. And and you like bands, the kind of style of music that you play. And so, you, you know, you, you, you kind of talk like them, walk like them, dress like them, listen to all their music. It's kind of become your identity. People know you as the, as the music guy or the guitar player. Okay, for some of us, it's more like academics, right? You're real, you're real brilliant when it comes to school and to learning and to understanding and, and, and maybe teaching and all of that. And so that is kind of who you are. For you, it's, for so many of us, it's our profession, isn't it? 
Like, I'm a firefighter. I'm a pastor. This is who I am. It's not who we are. It's what we do. For others of us, it's our political views, right? I'm a, I'm a you know, left-leaning liberal. It's who I am. And, I, and, I, and I, you know, I spout my views, and this is how people see me and know me. And for others of us, maybe it's the, you know, I'm, a, I'm on the right side of all of that. I'm a conservative, okay? For others, it's the size of their bank account. Right, I got lots of money. I'm I'm wealthy. I've 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 made it. It's the stuff I've accumulated. The the things that I, I own. I'm the guy who's known as having all the toys. Right. I've, I'm the guy who has you know all that stuff, and that's who I am. For for a lot of us, we see ourselves as either our successes, our success, or our failures. Right. I'm I'm a, I'm a self-made man. I've I've put all that. I I I've, I have built this. This is who I am. Some of us see ourselves as our failures. I've not been able to accomplish blank, right? And so we, we wear that and we, we think of ourselves that way. For so many people in this world, we are our sexuality, right? That is a, a massively huge one right now. And you can't even talk to anybody about that. You can't have a conversation about that because, and because it's so deeply tied to who they are that if you have any conversation about that, it's just met with anger and it's met with such frustration. You can't even dialogue about it. For some of us, we are the relationship that we're in. I am my marriage. I am my girlfriend or my boyfriend, or we are the lack of relationship. Right? I am my divorce. I am my singleness. Okay, others of us see ourselves as, as victims. That's my, my identity now. I am the thing that that person did to me. That's me, and I carry that around with me. And everything, every single way that I approach life now is seen through that grid. That's what our identity does to us, right? I'm, I'm a victim. You can't seem to move on to it, uh, on from it, and can't find healing because you think that's who you are. A lot of us think that we are who people say we are, right? Some of you see yourselves as, you've been told, you're hilarious, right? You're funny, and so now you're like, yeah, I've, I've got you know, to keep this going. This is how people accept me. And so I, I've always got to be the funny man. I've got to be that, that, that funny person with the quick and, and, the, and the witty humor. I'm funny. People say that maybe you're unlovable, and so that's how you see yourself. Maybe it's something that your, your father said to you or is what your father didn't say to you. And so you carry this sense of I'm, I'm just unlovable. That's who I am. For maybe, maybe for you, it, it's your disease. You're terminally ill, and that, that's how I see myself. It's, I, I, it's my disability, right? Do you see how there's just so many different examples, so many different things that, that we look to, whether we want to or not. Sometimes it's intentionally, sometimes it's not, that, that that informs who I am now, and I operate completely out of that. And so again, the question is, who are you? Who would you say that you are? Well, again, today we're going to be working through or starting a brand new series in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be working through just the first 14 verses of that. You might be thinking, well, why? Why? Well, because when, when you and I, when we become Christ followers, God gives us a brand new identity, right? He, he tells us who we are. And as our creator, think about this, he's the only one that has the right to inform us as to who you and I really are, right? That's... That's true, right? He's the only one that you and I should be looking to to tell us these things. And what we're gonna see here is that the identity that, that God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Spirit is, is an identity that is truly bulletproof, right? It's an identity that, that's strong. It, it, it holds up through life's ups and downs, Right? Through the circumstances of life. They go all over the place. Life is this, this crazy roller coaster. Some days it's amazing. Right? Some days it's downright just brutal. And, and there's a lot of kind of in-between on, on the other days. Right? It's the only identity that actually makes us secure deep in our hearts. Listen, some of you need to hear that today. Some of you are living out of these identities that are so warped and twisted and weak and you're so insecure because of it. Ultimately, the, uh, the, the, the identity that, that Christ gives us is, it's really the only one that glorifies God, right? And as, as men and women, as individuals who are created for the glory of God, uh, we have to get this right, right? We really do. 
So the, you, uh, the, the deeper that you and I learn to, to kind of understand, first of all, and then uh, absorb the identity that Christ gives us, the more stable and the more secure you and I become, well, first of all, internally, right? We were, we're filled with peace, right? Peace that surpasses understanding. A lot of those anxious thoughts that we've talked about before, that begins to kind of disappear a little bit as, as we kind of see ourselves rightly, our, our, our emotions that spiral all over the place, our, our thinking that can be so wrong sometimes, all of those things get grounded in the truth, because again, we are functioning properly as Christ intended uh, us to function. We, we, we grow in such confidence as we absorb the, the, the identity that God has given us. Not self-confidence. I don't see where the Bible says that's a thing. Well, that's, the, that's the thing that the world would tell you to go after. It's God-confidence. Right? That's what we're going for as Christ followers. But listen, we don't just become secure internally. We actually become more effective and useful externally as well as our identity takes root, meaning that, that when we become secure and we're not so self-focused anymore and we have confidence in who the Lord is and who he says I am, now we can actually get to work, right? Now we can actually be effective. Now we can actually carry out the, the mission that God has given us. We can, we can make disciples. We can actually love other people well instead of being so, so darn self-centered and, and so self-focused as we often are our our love for others can be true. Our, our worship for, uh, to God can be, can be intense, right? It can be, it can be external. It can be powerful. It can be right. Again, these are the things that we're going to be talking about here today and then over the next bunch of weeks. But before we jump into the text here, let me pray. So join me as we pray. God, we come before you and, and Lord, I believe this is so foundational to us, what we're going to be talking about today. Lord, who we are is who you say we are. And Lord, so many of us uh, don't have the first clue. Right? We, we really don't. Some of us have been coming to church for years and we still don't know who you say we are. We have not accepted that. We have not believed that. We're not clinging to that and holding to that, Lord. We're still chasing after idols and these other things that, that create this warped and broken identity that that just lets us down over and over and over again and creates such, such pain and ruins our relationships and ruins our effectiveness, ruins our internal peace and the joy that you would have for us. Lord, I pray, I pray that you would do a deep heart work. God, I pray that you would transform us here. I pray that we would hold firm to the truth of the gospel, Lord. The gospel is, it shows us so much, Lord. It shows us who you are. It shows us your character and your nature. It shows us what you have done for us. And then it tells us who we are. And so God, as we work our way through this, Lord, transform us, change us, make us like Jesus. Help us to learn these things, Lord. We know our hearts are so hard. We know that we're stubborn. We know that we're slow to learn. Lord, teach, change, transform all to the glory of God, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, here's the first thing here. If you're, uh, if you're taking notes, it's this. In Christ, I am faithful. In Christ, I am faithful. Now, the way that this is going to work here is that today we've got uh, seven points, okay? Seven points that we're going to go through. Now, I know you're thinking, wow, we're not going to get out of here until next Sunday, okay? But I promise we're going to try and move pretty quickly through this here, all right? We got seven points, and so today is really going to be, it's, it's like an intro message to the rest of the series, all right? So it's going to be like a, like a flyby or a, or a flyover, an overview of sorts, and then the following weeks, the sermons are going to pull apart each one of these seven points. So if, if the first point today is, I, in Christ, I am faithful, that's the whole sermon next week. And we're going to do a deeper dive into this text and pull this apart. We're probably going to look at some other verses, some other texts from around the scriptures as well to help us build a bulletproof identity, the one that Christ has given us. So this series is going to have a little bit of a different feel than, let's say, our Mark one that we just went through. We just went verse by verse through the entire book and all of that. This one's a little bit more topical, but listen, I think this is so crucial. This is a series that has been um, so just, just, just boiling and bubbling in the surface of my heart for a really long time. When I was a youth pastor, I realized, whoa, like these kids, they need to hear this, right? They are looking for who they are and all kinds of nonsense out there, and they need to hear it. And again, like I was kind of referring to uh, earlier, uh, adults need to hear it uh, just as much because we need to do, uh, undo all the damage that's been done from linking ourselves to all these really lame identities that we all hold to, amen? Right? So we need this. I mean, I think this is so, so, so huge uh, for us. 
right? Now, what's so great about Ephesians chapter one here, and particularly in these first 14 verses, is that they tell us again and again exactly who we are, right? It does. It tells us just that, okay? So as we go through this here, I mean, just look at this in your Bible, how many times it uses the, the words, the, those phrases, in Christ or in him, right? Do you see that? In my own Bible here, I actually with a pen, I just kind of drew a square around those phrases all the different times uh, that it does that, okay? These are the things it tells us. It informs us who we are. This tells us what our identity is. All right, so let's take a look at this first one here. In Christ, I am faithful. Verse one, now read along with me here. Again, this is a bit of an overview. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, okay, so he's the author, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, okay? So he's writing to the church in Ephesus there, the believers that are there, okay? And he says this, and are faithful in Christ Jesus, okay? So you see it right there. And then he says, grace to you and peace from our God and Father, our God or, our, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things that Christians uh, begin to realize, honest Christians begin to realize as you put your faith in Christ and as you start to, you know, kind of learn what this life in Jesus is all about and as you seek to and, and strive to follow him and obey him, you begin to realize just how awful you are at it. Right? Have you noticed this for yourself? You realize a man, like I'm, like, I, I don't do a very good job of this, right? The, the, the commands that, that God gives me, the way that he says I should live, I, I fail at this every single day. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been in a lot of like different accountability relationships and I've been, you know, a part of a lot of small groups and, you know, in, in, in small groups before, when you, you get to that time of, of prayer where it's like, hey, you know, how do you need prayer uh, in your life this week? Have you noticed that like time and time again, week after week, it's like, you know, I need you know, I, I need prayer just to like be in the Bible more, right? It's like, it's like the most basic thing ever, like read a book, right? And, and, but every week we're like, yeah, you know what? Like I, I didn't read my Bible very much this week, you know? And I, this week again, like, man, I, I wish I had a desire to read the Bible. It's not there. And, and when it comes to prayer, it's the same thing. Like my prayer life wasn't that good. And it, isn't it amazing how, I'm not trying to make us feel like super awful here. It's just a, it's just a fact that we need to accept. We're not really great at like even the most basic things, right? In prayer, like we, we forget, we lose sight of how, how much of a privilege it is to bring our cares, our little old worries and all of that to the sovereign creator of the world and that he would listen to us and that he actually says, bring your sorrows to me, bring your challenges to me. And we're like, nah, I don't really have time for that. You know, there's that, there's that show on TV that's just calling my name, like, right? It's so simple yet, Yet we struggle to do these things. Oh, we really do. And in Christians who genuinely want to get better at this, I think that's, that's us here. We can, we can kind of feel this growing sense of, of, of insecurity about just, how, about just how unfaithful we seem to be on any given day, right? And, and, and we don't feel very secure in the relationship with God. And we, we kind of feel like, Lord, I, I just don't stack up. And that's sort of gnawing at the back of your mind constantly. And some days when you do read the Bible and you do pray, you're like, I'm awesome. Look what I've done. And then you have many days where you don't. And you're like, I'm the worst. And it's like this awful seesaw battle of, of practically speaking, where we carry this sense of defeatedness with us. But the verse here, look at it again. It says, it tells us that we are faithful in Christ Jesus. We are faithful now, some of you might be like, oh, listen, pastor, he's, he's saying that to the church in Ephesus. He's not saying that to us directly. You think the church of Ephesus was some kind of super church of like super Christians who only got it right all the time? No, they were regular people like you and I. And here Christ tells them, and he tells us by extension, you are faithful in Christ Jesus, which is to say on one hand that, that he makes us faithful, Right? His Holy Spirit at work in us, we talked about this a lot, his Holy Spirit at work in us is the one who, who gives you and I the desire to obey him and the desire to, to follow him. He, he gives us that ability to be more consistent as we grow as followers of Jesus. Right? He makes us faithful in that sense. Okay, but even beyond that, or the other side of the coin to all of that, 
Okay, is that if you're a Christ follower, you're faithful right now. Right this second. Well, hang on a sec, Pastor. Like, you, you, you didn't see my week. Like, I, I have a, a long string of failures behind me. I was a dumpster fire of a Christ follower this morning on the way to church. Right, that's what you're thinking. It says here, though, you are, you are faithful. Right, from an identity standpoint. It's who you are. Why? Well, because you've received Christ as Savior. Think about your own testimony. In the day, the moment that you did that, we just heard Sky's story, which was so amazing. Think about it for yourself. In the moment that you gave your life to Jesus, God looks at you. He, he treats you now. He relates to you as though you actually achieved everything that Jesus accomplished in his life and through his death. That's how God looks at you. His perfect record of faithfulness, okay, in obeying his father perfectly and completely. Remember, Jesus was sinless, right? He never once erred in that. He obeyed the law perfectly. His perfect record of faithfulness, that was transferred to you, to your account, so to speak. It's, it's the doctrine of imputation. The moment that you get saved in an instant, what happens there is Christ's perfect record gets transferred to you and all of your sin and all of the mess and all of the brokenness, that gets transferred to him. And it was, it was punished in Jesus Christ on the cross forever, right? His faithfulness is now your identity and it's how he sees you. And when you start to embrace that as your identity, it begins to fill you with like, oh, that's pretty awesome, right? Joy, right? And, and, and this deep inward security now that, that this is how my God sees me. He sees me as faithful. How amazing to, to, to think about it that way. And when you see that he sees you that way and that's your identity, it now motivates you and, and myself to want to live practically, faithfully in the day to day. So listen, as we go through these, these points here today and over the course of this series, start to understand that, yeah, like I, I, I may not be you know, consistently behaving and functioning, uh, functioning as a faithful Christian ought to every single moment. Listen, we're not. We're, we're still plagued by sinfulness. But because Christ has saved me and he saved you and he's transferred to you his, his perfect record of faithfulness, that's how God sees me now. That's how the Lord treats me and relates to me. That's how he thinks of you right now in this very moment. And listen, every moment afterwards, in Christ, I am faithful. It's my identity. Here's the second one. In Christ, I am blessed. In Christ, I'm blessed. Now question, when was, the, uh, when was the last time, just for you to think about here, you don't have to shout it out, but when was the last time that you uh, complained or whined about something? <laughs> uh, like today, maybe some of us are feeling that, right? Like ab absolutely. Okay, but look at verse three here. Okay, look at this. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, here it is, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's just another key component to our, to our identity here. We are, we're blessed, right? In Christ, it says we already have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, spiritual there, it's referring not as much to the kinds of blessings that God gives you, whether they be you know, immaterial blessings, like, Lord, I need, I need wisdom. I need, uh, you know, I, I need peace right now in this, this moment. Or, or whether it be the, the material blessings, it's, you know, Lord, I need, I need, I literally need money to pay my bills right now. It, it's not, it, it's definitely, those things are implied here in the text, but, but it's actually, it's actually referring more to the source of those Blessings. The spiritual blessings have come from Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, right? Spiritual, Holy Spirit. And, and they've been given to us. And I think, unfortunately, though, you know, so many of us are what I'll just kind of refer to as uh, bus stop Christians, right? Where we're, we're just, you know, picture yourself, you know, standing at the curb, right? And you're, 
you know, kind of waiting impatiently and, and, and you're checking your watch and, and, and you're starting to kind of huff and you're starting to get kind of, you know, heated inside a little bit, just kind of waiting for the bus of God's blessing, right, to, to show up already, right? That's, I think, how we kind of act and behave and think as believers, right? But this tells us here that we are blessed. We're blessed. Jesus through the Holy Spirit, has done this for those who are in him. Again, blessed is, is who we are. It's, it's what we are right now. now I, was, I was reading through um, John, some John MacArthur here this, uh, this week, and, and it was so encouraging. He was saying that you know, so many Christians ask God for things that he's already given us. Have you noticed that you sometimes do this? Lord, show me your love. Lord, please. Lord, show it to me as though God is like, no, right? Kind of like stingy and, and, and he's holding that, that back, that, that blessing from us. And if you, would just, if you would just be a little bit more emotional about it, if you would put your all into it, if you would, you know, just behave and perform for me, then maybe I'll give you, you know, some of that love that you wish that I would show. Jot down Romans 5 verse 5. Yeah, I love this. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see that? God's love has been poured into our hearts. We, we've got that already. We ask for things like this, these things that God has already given us, already, already shown us. Why? Because we, again, we don't have the first clue who we are, right? We don't get it. Our identity is so tied to something else that we forget the things that God has already shown us and made so abundantly clear. Well, how has he made that abundantly clear? The cross. Right? Yeah, he's held nothing back. He's given us his son, his only son. And you're, we're so, many, so much of the time, we're like, man, I wish God would just throw me a bone here. I wish he'd show us some, you know, some love. Man, I got, I got a raw deal here. But listen, when our identity is built upon who Jesus says we are, we realize that we are so ridiculously blessed. It's not even funny. And that, that dissatisfaction that so many of us seem to struggle with and the simplest things, I, I, I put myself in that boat absolutely for sure. Right? You know, not every single thing goes 100% my way in life. So I complain and I gripe and I moan. It's so sad when I think about that. This is my life so much of the time. But as we begin to absorb this identity, all that stuff, it starts to kind of change. Our perspective changes on these things. That dissatisfaction begins to, to melt. Meaning that it, that it is good and right and, and necessary for you and I to just think through the multitude of ways that, that, that God has blessed us. Do you think through this? Do you, do you meditate on that? Do you, do, you, do you give him thanks for all those things? Or when he pours it out in your life, are you like, it's about time, time to move on to the next request. And I guess I'll just wait here until God decides to show up with that, with that one. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God does not hold back. That's not our God. Right? We are so blessed. Here's the third thing. In Christ, I am chosen Okay, I'm chosen. Verse four, here's what it says. It says, even as he chose us in him, there it is, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to, uh, for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. You know, just skip down to verse 11 here for a second, because this carries on some of the same thought. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been, there's that word, predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now listen, so a lot of Christians, it seems, are you know, very uncomfortable with that word predestined. Right? We get so rattled to the core about that. And, and, and we don't, some, some Christians, people who claim to be Christian, they, they don't like it. They try to explain it away. And, you know, they're, well, what about free will? 
Hold on a second. Don't I, don't I have some say in my salvation here? And, and I, I can choose some things. I, don't, I certainly don't feel like a puppet. And God, God chooses me. I'm, I'm predestined. What is that all about? Maybe some of us like to think of ourselves as, I don't know, in, in, in total control of all of these things, of, you know, whether we choose the Lord or, or not. I think that might be true for some. Now, listen, we're going to unpack these things uh, in deeper ways in a few weeks. So many of you want me to just go after that so hard right now, but you just got to be patient. <laughs> we're going to get into it, all right? Okay, but the fact that uh, he chose us in him, it actually brings a great strength and, and great security to our identity, does it not? I think it really does, right? Because as we read the scriptures and we read verses like this and, and, and so many others, we realize that we're chosen and that it's not because of our own internal merit, right? Not because of our good behavior. It's, it's not because of our, our, our moral performance. It's not because of our loveliness that God chooses us. It's not because of any of those things, right? When speaking to Israel, God said to Moses, uh, or through Moses in Deuteronomy 7, verse 7, I love this. He says, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, it says, for you were the fewest of all people. And then here it is. But it is because the Lord loves you. He loves us. That's why he chose us. It's not dependent on us in any way. It depends on, on his Love, he loves us greatly. I mean, the, the New Testament talks about this as well. Ephesians 2, a ch- uh, verse 4 says, because of the great love with which he loved us. Right? It's not because you and I are particularly serviceable and, and really great people and better than others that, that God chose us. No. Our being chosen isn't dependent on us in any way whatsoever. It depends on the Lord. It depends on, on God's desire to choose which, which makes all that, I think, anxious toil that sometimes we carry around with us that we, we're trying to impress God and, and it takes it all right out of the equation. And we understand that in Christ we're chosen, we're predestined before the foundation of the world. When we realize that, we begin to realize, well, hang on a second, this God actually wants me. That's powerful, right? And as we absorb that, our identity grows stronger because I know, I know I'm loved. I'm loved. It's because of him. I'm chosen by God. I find security in knowing that it doesn't rest in my seesaw, inconsistent action and behavior, but in his unchangeable, loving nature and character. And we're going to keep moving here. Fourth thing. In Christ, I'm redeemed. Verse 7. Here's what it says. It says, in him we have, there it is, redemption, right? Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Now, we love redemption stories, don't we? We love books about it. We love playing video games about it. We love movies about redemption, you know, where... You know, kind of the, you know, the pathetic, hapless guy, you know, finally gets the girl in the end. And, you know, we just, oh, we just love that. Because in that, he somehow he finds some, some measure of, of redemption. Okay, well, the gospel, of course, is the greatest redemption story of all time. Because it's how God rescued sinners, right? Sinners like us from, from, from his wrath and, and, and from the dread of hell. It says there in the verse, it's about the forgiveness of our trespasses, right? Our sin. As broken as our experiences are and might be in this life, you know, so many of us, you know, wrestling with addictions and have that in our past. And maybe even currently, it's sexuality raging out of control. It's, you know, affected by, by divorce and all of that. Listen, despite all of it, God has redeemed you if you are in, uh, in Christ Jesus, He saved you through his blood, it says, according to the riches of his grace, which he just lavished on you. Your identity is that you were once lost, but now you are found, redeemed. 
Now listen, there, there, there's also this, we gotta, I think we have to understand this. There's, this. there's this now and not yet kind of reality to all of this, right? The redemption that this verse is speaking of here is, is our justification, right? Justification. So you've been redeemed by Christ and that you've been justified. You have been, you have been made right. You have been declared good, declared righteous in God's sight, Right? And this happened, again, the moment that you put your faith in the saving work of Jesus. All right, so positionally, so to speak, positionally speaking, you're saved, right? You are redeemed. It is, it is something that has happened to you. It is who you are right now. It's, it's, I, I like thinking of it as our, it's our current status, right? Write that as your Facebook status. I am redeemed. Not in a relationship, not it's complicated. No, I'm redeemed. Someone talk to Zuckerberg about that. The not yet aspect, we need to understand this as well, is that on a, on a functional kind of operational level, you and I are still very, very much messed up individuals, right? We, we, we still got sin nipping our heels. We're still, we're still broken. We still need God's grace to transform us. Right? So we've been redeemed by God's justifying work. Right, That has happened to you. That is, that is who you are. And on another level, uh, we are still being and will continue to be redeemed through Christ's sanctifying work in you and I. Okay, this will happen up until the moment you pass away or up until the moment that Christ returns and brings us home. Right? That's the ongoing process now of being made more holy. This happens day by day as you and I abide in Jesus Christ. That's our sanctification. It's so crucial for us to understand this. And the now and the not yet. Because I think so many of us live and operate almost entirely, it seems, in the not yet reality of our redemption. Right? Both feet in, like, in that camp only. Right, that's, that's where I'm living. That's what I understand. I know that I'm a work in progress. Right? I, I know that I am still being redeemed. Right? That, that's a process that's still happening. Now listen, that's all true. It is true. You need, to, you need to understand that. You need to hold fast to that. But listen, it's wrong if we live only in that truth to the exclusion of the other truth. Right? We're, we're going to get messed up with that. Listen, we are currently redeemed in terms of our status, right? From a status standpoint, currently redeemed and are being redeemed from a, from a functional day-to-day standpoint. When we fail to hold both of these truths in view, in front of us and understand this, listen, our identity begins to suffer. It suffers. We tend to see ourselves only as broken disasters and, and we take out the, the metaphorical whip and we, we whip ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves about our brokenness sometimes and, and all of that. And we, and we, we question our salvation and, and we're not sure of all of these things because we don't, we don't understand what the Bible actually says. Our redemption is a current reality that informs you and I who we are today. In Christ, I am redeemed. We have redemption. That's what the verse says. All right, fifth thing. Fifth thing. In Christ, I am enlightened. In Christ, I am enlightened. Verse nine. Okay, verse nine says this. Making known to us the mystery of his will. Okay, he's made known to us. I I just kind of chose the word enlightened. He's making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I mean, just think about this. Think about how many people are out there searching for the meaning of life. So many people go through that like, you know, college road trip where they get a bunch of friends and they jump pile in the back of some gritty van and, and they just go off to try and find themselves. Now, on all that, a lot of levels, that kind of seems fun to me, actually, to go do that. But, but it's because we're searching, like, who, who am I? And, you know, walking through the Tetons or, you know, going through the Grand Canyon, now I'm finally going to find who I really am. For others, it's, it's the midlife crisis, because you've built your identity on, on your career and now that career is over. And, and so who are you? I mean, we hear about this from, 
from celebrities. We hear about this from professional athletes. They retire at like age 31. And now like who they are is, I don't know who I am anymore. And they completely fall apart because of it. People everywhere searching for the meaning of life, for something real, spending their entire lives caught in the pursuit of financial success or physically wearing themselves out in, in a gym trying to forge an identity in their six-pack. But in Christ, we're enlightened, right? We're, we're informed as to what life is really all about, right? Pretty incredible, right? We, we know, it says, the mystery of his will, something that was once hidden, now is made known, right? We know what life is all about. Now, now, now boiled down here, his will, if you want to simplify, what's his will for all of mankind? Well, it's to trust Jesus Christ as Savior, to know him, to obey him and follow him and worship him forever. Right? You, you, you want to boil it down? That's what it is. The Westminster Shorter Catechism puts it like this. It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the chief end of man. That, that is his will. Okay, so, so we don't have to in fact, we, sh- we, we shouldn't pursue anything less because you and I as Christians, we've been enlightened through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, and know actually what life is all about. Because I know what it's all about, I'm going to go after that. I'm not going to busy myself and, and get myself all twisted out of shape going after something that, that I know will, will not bring me any kind of strength to my identity. Living for Christ is your purpose. That is God's will for you. How, how amazing that you and I have the benefit of knowing this. We are like in the small, small percentile of, of, of people walking this planet right now who know what's up. Right? We are. That, that's, that's an incredible reality. And so many of us are like, nah, whatever. I'm still going to go look for it in other things. How sad is that, right? How sad. We're informed of, of these things. In Christ, I'm, I'm enlightened. It's, it's who we are as his children. He's given us the inside scoop. So hey, as, as you're thinking about, you know, your purpose in life, and, you know, maybe for you, it's, you know, you're in high school or something, and you're trying to think, like, what am I going to commit my life to? What is my purpose going to be about? What, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, where to go to college, and, you know, what, what, what should my career be, and, who, sh- who should I date? Who, you know, who should I marry? Where are we going to live? How many kids should we have? How much money should I put away for retirement? You know, th- these are typically the elements of God's will that we so desperately focus on, right? This is what we go after. This is what we're consumed by. That's what we want to know. But instead of all of our focus being on, on those things, those are really per- they're very important things. Don't get me wrong on this. They're crucial but they're peripheral things. Do we understand that? Instead of, being, instead of focusing on all of that, commit yourself to glorifying God and enjoying him forever and just trust the Lord to take care of the rest. Right? That's too simplistic. No, it's not. Trust the Lord to take care of who you're going to marry. Trust the Lord to iron out where exactly you're going to work and live on this planet. He'll, he'll iron it out. Matthew 6.33 tells us, urges us, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All those other things that you stress and worry about, don't focus on those. Focus on knowing the Lord, enjoying him, obeying him. He'll iron out the rest. In Christ, you're enlightened. I mean, you know what, what life's all about. Rejoice that you don't need to wonder about this. You don't need to go through a phase in college. You don't need to get the red Corvette at age 59 to try and figure out who you are. God knows who you are. He tells you who you are. He lets us in on all of it. You know it. And as we, again, we absorb this, it just, it just makes us secure. All right, in Christ, I am hopeful. I am hopeful. Two more here. Verse 12. It says this, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Now, the, the, the fallout from, from trying to find your identity in things other than Jesus is that we eventually become hopeless. Have you sensed that in your own life? We definitely see that uh, in the world. 
I mean, you hear people say, I chased after money, I chased after women, you know, sexual relationships, all of those things, but I found that it was ultimately unfulfilling, right? I, I, I found that it is, it, it's, it's hollow, right? That emptiness, the hollowness, the unfulfillment that, that humans experience as, as we double down on false identities, all that, it just sucks the life out of us. It sucks the, the hope from our souls because... Well, but because we as Christians hope in Jesus, meaning that we place all of our faith in him. We don't hope in our ability to save ourselves. We don't hope in earthly things. All of our eggs are in the, in the Jesus makes me right in God's eyes basket. Because our hope is in him, we're deeply hopeful people. We're hopeful. We're, we're hope-filled strong, secure in our matchless Savior and who he says we are. And when you think about your life right now, are you hopeful? Are you hopeful? If not, it might mean that you have your eyes on your circumstances more than you have them on your Savior because the reality is if we're Christians, we should be hopeful no matter what. But many of us carry this hopelessness around with us, kind of like a bad cold that we can't seem to shake because we haven't put on our new identity in Christ. Jesus has saved you. Life's trials, they, they, they can't destroy you. Not in, not in any eternal way. Why? Because your eternity is secured, right? It's assured, it's, it's certain. What, what hope this floods our souls with as, as our identities begin to take root deep within, our, within us. In Christ, we are hopeful. Last one, in Christ I am sealed. In Christ you are sealed, verse 13, look what it says. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guaranteed of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory that in him we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It means several things. It means that the Holy Spirit guarantees that we're going to acquire our inheritance, our, our eternal life at some point in the future. Right? Like how, how an engagement ring is the promise that a wedding's coming. Right? That's what the Holy Spirit guarantees for us. We're sealed. Now that word seal there carries the same meaning as as when a king would place his seal on a royal decree. His command, it would often be written down and placed in an envelope and, and sealed with, with wax, right? The imprint of his own signet, of his, of his, own, of his own ring there. So I identified the document as from the king himself. Okay, so you have, been, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That we're sealed with him means that we, we belong to him, right? He... He owns us. We're his. That we're sealed means that our, our salvation is secured. Right? We shouldn't doubt God's ability to save to the uttermost, to save us from sin, to deliver on his promises. No, it's secure. That we're sealed means that we serve and obey God now in the authority of the king's command. Right? You, you were sealed. Now we go and carry out the mission not as ones who are super, you know, fearful. And am I sure what I'm doing here? No, though the king himself says, go do this. You go in my authority. Go, go make disciples. That we're sealed by the Holy Spirit means that our, our salvation is authentic. Right? It, it, it's real. It's not, it's not forgery. It's, it's not a fake. It's not all this again. It just, it just breeds confidence into our souls, right? Of who God is, of who we are, of, of what he's called us to as the church. It's a massive boost of joy and, and courage and, and, and boldness and satisfaction and, and, and peace that we are God's forever. We're sealed. So listen, hey, as, as we kind of wrap this up here, are you beginning to to see here why it's so important for you and I, every single person, to do the deep work of learning to better put on or, or apply our identity as Christ gives it to us. Do you see how important it is? We, we, we've got to, 
I've used the word absorb a number of times because I think it, it just, it helps. Our hearts are so hard. We're so thick skulled. We've got pride. We've got all of that. We, we, we find, we have fun in our false worldly identities. We, we've got to absorb Christ's identity so that we would grow. It's so important that we would do this. We've got to think carefully. We've got to think deeply through all of this. Learning who we are in him, reminding ourselves of that when we are prone to forget and we're prone to wander. Studying the scriptures, right? Being in it, like he's telling me on every single page here who I am. He, he tells me, he's not holding back on this. Right, praying, seeking the Lord on this. Lord, would you, would you help this sink down deep? Would you build strong roots in what my identity actually is? So we actually live according to who we really are, who you say we are. Because if we don't, all these other things that people try to find their identity in, so many of us are as well, it will eventually leave us with this sickening realization that, man, we're broken. Right, and these, these things don't cut it. These, these, these worldly identities, these false identities, they're just simply, they're not strong enough to inform who I am. They fall apart. They break down. Think about it. If sports is your identity and you're currently your student and you're, you're building that and you, you, you dress like an athlete and, and you, you watch sports constantly and, and you talk like an athlete and, and, and that's what you spend all of your time doing and all your money goes towards that and, and all of those things, what happens if you blow out your knee? What happens when you get old? I'm telling you right now, you're going to have a crisis of faith, an identity crisis, because you realize I'm, I'm not an athlete anymore. Who am I? Right? If having a huge bank account is, is your identity and, and it makes you feel secure and it makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, you can lose it all. I've been real smart about this though. It's not going to happen. You sure? There are one or two stories out there in the world since it began of people losing everything they have. It's not good enough. It's not strong enough to be your identity. If, you're, if your looks are your identity, understand that you can go bald. Glad you can laugh at that. Right, you can... You can pack on weight. You can run out of money that you would spend purchasing clothing that makes you feel good. Right? All of this stuff can be taken away. These things are not worthy of informing who you are. Only Christ is. Do you understand that? And he tells us straight up, here's who you are. Let's hold tight to these things. Let's, let, let's press into these things over the next couple of weeks, bunch of weeks, actually. Let's seek the Lord for his help now.